Thanks for checking out the Bridge Podcast. It's not a mistake you found us. We pray God speaks to you today. Check us out Sundays at 10.30 a.m. For more information, go to sfbridge.org. Guys, I have to tell you, some crazy stuff happens when I say things from the stage up here. So last week I mentioned that fall had not yet come to the mom household. Fall decorations had not yet come. They're here. Fall has thrown up on my house. We got pumpkins in every corner. We got artificial leaves hanging from the ceiling. It smells, <laughs> not actually. It feels like it sometimes. Like, what did I step on? Oh, cool, another leaf. It just, it just feels like that sometimes. But it smells like pumpkin pie, pumpkin cheesecake, all this, the fall smells. You walk in, and you go, wow, it's like Bed Bath & Beyond in here. It's here. I also talked about how I haven't seen Top Gun Maverick yet. We watched that yesterday. And can I tell you, I feel like I could run through a wall after that movie. I'm like, oh, this is so sweet. What's, I, I want to become a pilot. I'm going to forget pastoring. I'm just going to go and fly because that was just so sweet. It felt so empowering. And then I realized, yeah, I wouldn't make it. I would not make it. All, I, I can barely even um, get on a plane without feeling like, well, I love flying, to be clear. There's a difference when you're just like flipping upside down their face like this. You know? Like I couldn't take it. And so then on top of all of that, I see on Facebook this morning, I talked about Bethany had not had a s'more yet this, this, this year of summer. I go on Facebook last night, and she had her first s'more. So today we're going to talk about how to become a millionaire in St. Francis, all right? Um, because it just apparently whatever I talk about just comes into fruition up here. So um, we're not that kind of church, though, so I'm not going to talk about that. But it's fun to dream, all right? I can't fly a fighter pilot, but I can preach. So we're going to preach today as we have the last sermon, the last part of the campfire stories, because parents, Tuesday is coming. And that means school is back in session. Life is back to normal. Even this morning, I walked outside. There was like a little bit of a bite to the air, just a little bit of a knock on the door saying fall is here. And I am pumped for that because um, I haven't heard any rumbling from shotguns yet in Cambridge. But I also know that's coming as well. So as my wife decorates for fall, I decorated my basement with some decoys and camouflage. It's going to be awesome. Here comes fall, baby. I can't wait. And so as we wrap up the campfire stories, I just want to kind of get everybody caught up. If you haven't been here before or maybe you missed a, a week or here. But we had four different sets of people, four stories in the Bible who all needed God in their own distinct way. Abraham and Isaac, the paralytic with his four friends, David and Goliath, and then Isaiah. Four different eras, four different groups of people, four different areas, but all had the same unifying theme of they needed God in their own unique way. And we've been talking about that story and what that all brought into, into existence. But what I love about the story is well, the reason why we study these stories is because we see how God moves in them. The Bible says that God is the same yesterday, today, and forever, which means the same God who was there in those stories is the same God who's here with us now. And so it's important to look at these stories and see how God's moving because it means the same way he worked a miracle in their lives means he can do the same thing in our lives. But the reason I love studying these stories is not just to look at God as that's the most important thing, but it's also important to study the people in the story as well. Because as we learn from them, we learn how we have to 
respond as well. I love looking at how the people maybe doubted or were unsure of God, yet in stories, we see how God moves. And so today I'm going to finish with one of my all-time favorites. He's probably the second or third favorite Bible character in the Bible for me today. Uh, and I, like any good movie, sometimes you start at the end. You've all watched that movie where you kind of like the opening scene is like in the middle of the climax or, the, or the, towards the end. And they're like, how did I get here? I'm going to pull out my inner cinematic lover here this morning as we jump into the end of the story. Daniel chapter 6, verse 16. The king gave the order and they brought Daniel and threw him into the lion's den. The king said to Daniel, may your God, whom you serve continually, rescue you. A stone was brought and placed over the mouth of the den, and the king sealed it with his own signet ring and with the rings of his nobles, so that Daniel's situation might not be changed. Things have changed a little bit over time, right? You used to have to choose if you were going to be on the internet or on the phone. You used to have to choose. And there was nothing worse than when the little punk kid was down in the basement, that was me, um, was just playing solitaire or on AOL Instant Messenger, typing all these different things, and here your boss is trying to call you, but you can't because dial-up internet. Who remembers the sound? <laughs> right? Just the joys, right? You used to have to physically go to the store. Hey, I want to watch the new movie. Go to the store. Pray and hope to God it was still sitting there. Because sometimes you, you got to the empty case and there was nothing there. And then you get all pumped. You get the popcorn, your drink, your popcorn. And all you sit down and you're smacked out in the middle of the movie or you're in the middle of the credits because the punk before you forgot to rewind it. Things have changed a little bit. Now you can just go, oh, I want to watch that movie. Click. My son can hop between Netflix, um, Hulu, all these different things, and he knows what show is on there. He doesn't know the struggles of having to rewind. We had to get up, and it felt like those two minutes of rewinding were like 10 hours. Things have changed a little bit. And so nowadays, if you get in trouble with the law, go to trial, and then maybe they put you in jail, things have changed a little bit. Back in Daniel's time, you did something wrong, yep, throw him in the lion's den. Let the hungry lions rip his face off. Things have changed a lot since this time. And so in Daniel chapter 6, we find this man named Daniel, as, as, as the text says, who is in the lion's den. Again, just to be clear, it was a den full of hungry lions. And they would just roll the stone over, and you could not get out until the day after. It's kind of like a fate thing of, like, you need to be here. It was so, so interesting. And at this point in the story, Daniel is kind of an older guy. He's been through a lot of life. He's been through a lot of circumstances. But when we first read about Daniel, the first time we hear his name is in Daniel chapter 1 as a teenager. He was a teenager in the country of Judah, a small little country um, right below Israel. And Judah gets overrun by this big powerhouse of a country named Babylon. And so the king comes in, takes over the whole country and says, this is now mine. And says, all right, this is my country. Now, all you Judean people, all you people who are from Judah, I want you to learn our culture. I want you to learn our language. I want you to know which books we go about. I want to teach you about our culture because now your culture is my culture. And so what they did is they said, we need to find some really good teachers, some people who are well-esteemed, some people who know what's going on to teach these people. So Daniel chapter 1 
The king of Babylon chooses people like this. Young men without any physical defect, handsome, showing aptitude for every kind of learning, well-informed, quick to understand, and qualified to serve in the king's palace. Sound familiar? I think this is the list my wife chose when she was trying to find me. Notice it does not say anything about height in this. They do not need to be tall. They were to teach them the language and the literature of the Babylon. So here Daniel is one of these guys that gets picked. The king has, has, has brings all the handsome, smart, all the really well-established, young, successful people is brought before them. And Daniel, along with his three friends, are one of the ones that are chosen. And so for three years, the king is teaching them. He's, he's kind of saying, like, okay, I want you to learn this stuff. I want you to do all these things. But the thing with Daniel is externally, he was a really good guy. He was really smart. He was handsome. He had all of it going on. But internally, he was a really, really good dude. Internally, he had a good moral standard. He loved God with all of his heart, so much so that there was even a spot where as part of the king's servants, as part of these um, apprentices, they got to have the choice meat from the king. But the thing is, is that the king didn't love the same God that you and I are talking about now. He loved his own little G or, or multiple gods. And so what they would do is they would sacrifice this meat to these gods and then give them to the people. But Daniel's going, no, 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 I'm actually not going to eat that meat because that was sacrificed to God. That would contradict my love for the one God. And so what, what's happening is Daniel says, hey, um, I'm not going to eat that. And the king's like, servant is like, um, he's back. If you don't eat it, then the king's going to kill me. And Daniel's like, all right, here's the deal. I believe in my God so much, just, just give me vegetables, give me anything else, and I promise you the king won't even know because I'll still be strong and big and one of the best there is. So sure enough, they do that, and Daniel and his three friends are some of the most strong, best people, and they, they go on to win. They are the king's apprentices because they stay true to who they were. So then you fast forward to Daniel chapter 1, verse 17. To these four young men, Daniel and his three friends, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning. And Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. This morning, we we're talking about God and what he is and, and the things in our life. But the thing I want us to understand this morning is today I'm talking to you about you through the perspective of Daniel. Because it's so important to give honor where honor is due. It's so important to understand that God is the, the ultimate hero in every story we have here. But at the same time, he created you for a purpose. He desires to move in your life. And so it's important for us to understand what our role is in this thing called life. It's important for us to understand who God's called us to be. And so this morning, as we look at Daniel, I want us to understand that we need to do things for him, but with him. It's so interesting to me that sometimes God works miracles, not just by happenstance, but through his people. A really cool story in the Bible is this, this story of Jesus is preaching to like 15,000 people. And after three or four hours, you guys thought some church service was long? Jesus is preaching for like three or four hours. And so these guys are getting hungry. And the disciples are like, Jesus, we should probably feed these people. And he goes, good idea, you feed them. 
15,000. Imagine trying to grow enough burgers for 15,000 people. It'd be a whole process, right? And so they're expecting Jesus just to do a miracle. But what I love about the story, I'm not getting into the weeds on it, is Jesus prays for the food and then has the disciples hand out the food to the people. The miracle came through the hands of the people. So many times I think we're waiting for God to do a miracle in our lives, but the reality is he's probably going to do a miracle. Just He could just drop it in your lap, or he's going to use somebody else to bring about the miracle. God works through people. He works through us. And so I believe in my heart of hearts that God, whether it's today or tomorrow or next week or next year or next decade, I believe God's going to do something in your life as your needs come up. As we've been learning about campfire stories and these needs that the people had, I believe God is going to do the same kind of works, the same kind of movement in your life for a purpose. But in the same way, I believe that you're going to be called by God and used by God to help somebody else. It's important for us to understand our role in this thing called life. To these four men, God gave knowledge and understanding of all kinds of literature and learning, and Daniel could understand visions and dreams of all kinds. Not always do I have this, but today I'm going back to my inner Bible college student. I got three points for you this morning, all for free. And there's no, but wait, there's more. If you give me $400 more, I'll give you a little keychain. There's none of that. Just three easy points. And the first one is that you have what you need. You have what you need. Daniel was given the gift to understand and interpret dreams. God gave him that ability. And so nowadays, sometimes it's like, it's like we need God to move. We need a sign from God just to know that he's moving and he's alive. Back in 600 B.C. when this text was written, one of the main ways they learned about God, one of the main ways they heard from God was through dreams. And so they would have this dream that was very obscure, very unique. And then all of a sudden, somebody, like, they would say, okay, this is what my dream was. They'd bring in another person to interpret it as to what this means. Very interesting. And so Daniel has that ability to interpret dreams. And so in, in Jan- Daniel chapter 2, There is this king, again, the king of Babylon, the king that made him an apprentice. He has this dream that creeps him out. You ever had that dream where you're like, what? Like, like what? That doesn't even make sense. Like, you almost wake up and you're like, I don't even know where that came from. Like, I've had dreams before where I was like, what is wrong with my brain? Like, how does my subconscious come up with that? And so... King Nebuchadnezzar in Daniel chapter 2 has one of those dreams that's super off the wall, but the Bible says it scares him. He is mortified. He's horrified because he knows that there is something really, really goofy with this dream. And so he brings in all the astrologers, all the magicians, all the sorcerers, all these people who can interpret dreams. And he says, hey, I had a dream last night. Tell me what it was and interpret it for me. And all the guys are like, uh, it's one thing if you tell us the dream and then we interpret it, but how in God's name are we supposed to know what you dreamt, first of all, but second of all, interpret it? And the king's like, you should know. You should know. Like, the, the, this dream is so intense, so like, you, sh- you should just know. And so he gets mad. He gets cranky. You ever had um, somebody in your life who just like, gets really cranky and angry to the point where you're like scared to be around them? 
no elbows, okay, here. No, no elbowing your spouse or your sister or whatever it is. Usually it involves food or a lack of sleep. No food and overtired, bad combination. This guy is like hangry and upset and scared to the point where he's like, you know what? All of you are useless. So the Bible literally says he decrees to kill all the wise men in the land. Kill them all. They're useless. If they can't even give me my dream, interpret it, kill them all. A little aggressive. But he's the king. He can do what he wants. So Daniel gets wind of this. And he knows he's on the chopping block. No pun intended. Sorry for that. Daniel chapter 2, verse 17. Daniel returned to his house and explained the matter to his friend Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Because he had this moment. He heard the wind. And as the soldiers are coming to him, he's like, hey, um, one second, one second. Um, why are you coming to kill me? And so Daniel says, okay, here's the deal. I can interpret dreams. I can do it. Get me a shot with the king. And so the king goes, or the servant goes back to his king, and that's where we pick up in verse 17 here. So he goes back to his friends, tells them what's going on, and in verse 18 he says, he urged them to plead for mercy from God of heaven concerning this mystery so that he and his friends might not be executed with the rest of the wise men of Babylon. And during the night, the mystery was revealed to Daniel in a vision, and then Daniel praise the God of heaven. So Daniel says, hey, I will go interpret this. I will tell the, tr- the king what his dream was and interpret it. Send the servant back. Then he goes to his three friends and says, guys, this is it. If we don't do this right, we're all dead. So will you pray with me that God would give me the interpretation for this? Give me the dream. Would you pray and plead for mercy from God to get, so that he would give us this? Sure enough. They go to bed. Daniel hears the dream from God. And then the next morning he goes and tells the king everything. And in verse 48, after this whole thing goes down, he goes to the king and tells everybody, the king placed Daniel in a high position and lavished many gifts on him. He made him ruler over the entire province of Babylon and placed him in charge of all its wise men. You have what you need. God has given you unique personality, unique gifts, Unique things that are so unique to you that nobody else has exactly what you have, and it's for a reason. You have what you need. He gave Daniel the gift to interpret dreams, and here's what I love about this. Daniel was confident in that. He went to the king's servant and said, hey, I can interpret the dream. I can do this. He didn't yet have what he, he didn't yet have the dream. He didn't yet have it, but he knew that God gave him the ability to do that. So before he even had the dream, he said, I'll do it, because he was confident in who he was, confident in who God made him. You have what you need. Some of you are really, really good talkers. And when I say good talkers, I mean like you can talk yourself into or out of something with ease. With ease. Like the, 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 the Type of thing where it's like you're having a conversation and all of a sudden you signed up for 10 things without even like intending to because you're just a smooth talker. Others of us are maybe not as good of a talker, but more of just like a like kind of quiet into ourselves, but like you're insanely organized. Like if I were to walk into your house, you got 10 different charts of menu for the week, schedule for the kids, times to take care of other things. Like you are just very, very administrative. 
Some of you are very, very gifted with instruments or singing. It was the worst going to liberal arts, liberal, liberal arts college because, like, you'd walk around and, like, this kid would just be shredding on a guitar or singing really good. I'm like, dude, you're awesome. He goes, oh, yeah, I'm all right. It's like, no, you don't understand. What I have is enough to kill somebody. Like, my son literally tells me to stop singing sometimes. He goes, Dad, don't do that. And I'm, like, sincerely singing. Like, I'm, like, I'm worshiping. Like, I'm just, like, like singing along to a worship song in the car. And Ellis goes, Dad, don't do that. Like, as if, like, I'm doing it on purpose. I have so many people in my life that just, like, keep me honest. It's awesome. But it's so weird because some people are like, I'm not that good. And it's like, yes, you are. Be confident in who you are. Be confident in what God's given you the ability to because he's done it for a reason. He gave Daniel the ability to interpret dreams. He gave them that for a purpose, not for him to hold on to it, not just to pull it out at parties and go, hey, guys, look what I can do. He gave it to him for a reason, for God to move through him. You have what you need. So many times we try to be things that we're not because we think it's more desirable. I tell this to our student leaders all the time. Leadership is not one of those things that has one distinct look. Some people think leadership is being loud and proud and puffing your chest out and taking authority, but sometimes leadership looks like leading by example, quietly doing the right thing all of the time. So many times we think that we need to be somebody else or do something else because that's what's required of us. But in reality, God has made you unique for a purpose. To do something for him and through you. God asks you to be you. I love reading throughout scripture because there's a unifying theme that I see through all of these Bible characters we study. God comes to them and says, hey, I want you to do something bigger than yourself. I want you to step out and be bold. I want you to do something. And you know what always the response is? I pick the wrong person. We see it everywhere. Moses, he wants him to lead them out of Egypt. And what does Moses say? I've got a speech impediment. I can't speak. David, he was the shepherd boy. We talked about him a few weeks ago. He was overlooked and undervalued. Even last night, I'm reading my own personal devotions, and King Saul in 1 Samuel, 7, 1 Samuel chapter 6 and 7, he basically says, hey, um, you picked the wrong guy. I'm from the smallest tribe of the smallest clan in the smallest country. I'm not good enough to be the king. God is calling us not because we have it in ourselves, because he gave us what we need. You don't have to think you have all the right pieces to step out and by God, you have to. And if we would stop trying to be somebody that we're not, I believe we would be more confident. We would be more assured of ourselves in a way that we could really step into what God's calling us to do. He's not calling you to step into something because you need to be somebody else. He's calling you to step into what He's calling you to because He wants to move through you and your gift and your personality and yourself. You have what you need. But you also have time. You have time. This dream in First, Jan First Daniel, Daniel chapter two, with Nebuchadnezzar happened. But then, for about 
he has one more dream interpretation, but then the next time we hear about Daniel being brought in to interpret a dream is when there's a new king called Belshazzar. And this guy was a messed up dude. <laughs> like he, he had all of the wrong things. He, he was just vile. He was wicked. He was corrupt. And so one night he's partying and he's doing all this thing and he's doing all this stuff. And then this is like something out of a horror film in, in Daniel chapter 5. They're sitting there having a good time. They're partying. And there's this floating hand that comes and starts writing on the wall. And it says everybody in the room, they're, they're, they went pale. This is like terrifying. Like, like if, if you're seeing this, you're like, right? Like, like this, is, this is scary stuff. And, and everyone is, is, is terrified. So again, the king brings in all the sources, all the magicians. Hey, can you read what this hand is writing? And they can't. And so they're thinking, yeah, we're done for. <laughs> like, no one can understand what this is saying. This is something really, really crazy. But here's what I love in Daniel chapter 5. I know I'm throwing a ton of scripture at you today, and it's for a reason. In verse 10, it says, The queen, hearing the voices of the king and his nobles, came into the banquet hall and said, May the king live forever. She said, Don't be alarmed. Don't look so pale. Quit freaking out. Because there's a man in your kingdom who has the spirit of the holy gods in him. In the time of your father, he was found to have insight and intelligence and wisdom like that of God. This was 50 years later. Daniel had crazy moments with Nebuchadnezzar, and then 50 years with himself. Kept time. You might feel like you passed your prime. You might feel like that tattered relationship that you want forgiveness in, it's too far gone. You might feel like that moment to make it right isn't going to happen. You might feel overlooked underutilized and undervalued but you have time Daniel was just sitting there for 50 years with this God given talent with this ability to do something awesome and it wasn't being used for 50 years it's a long time it's a really really long time but what I want us to notice is that a move of God is not something easily forgotten. Fifty years go by, and Daniel might have felt like he wasn't but after 50 years, people still remembered what he did for King Nebuchadnezzar. They still remembered how he moved in his life. It's significant, because when there's a move of God, it's indistinguishable, and it's never forgotten. You have time to make an impact, make an Impression on your world. I think so many times we think that time heals all wounds. We think that time like that are never meant to be. I can't do that. It's 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 been too long. I can't do that. It, it it it's it hasn't been a possibility thus far. So why would it be? Have time. To make an impact. Then the last one. Have him. Have God on your. Here's what I want to close with. Here's what I want to end with today is the last point. Is you have God on your side. Daniel is one of my favorite characters in the Bible because he just did the right thing over and over and over again. He was always doing the right thing, even when it wasn't easy. Because he had a desire to know God and to 
serve God to the best of his ability. He interprets Nebuchadnezzar's dream twice. He ends up coming in and that floating hand thing, he ends up coming in and nailing that hand to crazy, crazy thing. After that, the hands of dying that night, kind of a morbid story, but Daniel nailed it. He got the interpretation right. And so in Daniel chapter 6, the king really likes this new king really likes really likes Nebuchadnezzar. So much so that Daniel is in line to take over the country. He's like number two in command. He's so excited. Things are going really well. The king loves him. But how many know there's sometimes like some people that get jealous of you that want to take you out? They want what you have, so they get mean and conniving to try and take you out. Am I the only one who's ever experienced that? Right? Sometimes you have those people in your life. And sure enough, in Daniel chapter 6, that's what happens. And so they, all these people who are jealous of him, all the people that are from this country go, you know what? We got to take him out. That should be our job. That should be us. Not this guy. He's not from around here. He doesn't belong here. There's no reason he should be able to have this. And so they know Daniel's, the king loves him. He's handsome. He's smart. He is super, super qualified to be it. So there's no way we can possibly take him out that way. The only thing that we can do is we know Daniel is committed to his God so we can get him in trouble. So they're smart. Sometimes people are really smart and they know exactly ways to cut you down and take you out. So they get smart and they say, hey, king. We love you. You're pretty awesome. How about this? Because you're so powerful, because you're so awesome, how about for the next 30 days, anybody who prays to any other god other than you needs to go into the lion's den? And the king who's power hungry goes, yeah, that's a pretty good idea. Let's do that. So the next day, that, it, that decree is put into law, it's signed into law, it, it, it's the new law across the country. And here comes Daniel chapter 6. When Daniel learned that the decree had been published, he went home to his upstairs room where the window opened toward Jerusalem, and three times a day he got down on his knees and prayed, giving thanks to his God just as he had done before. Daniel was so committed to loving and serving God that he didn't care what the answer was. I'm going to keep doing the right thing. Doing what God's called me to do. And so, like the conniving little trolls that they were, please don't call people conniving little trolls in your life. It's probably not going to go well. But, they find him and they catch him in the act. And they go to the king and say, hey, king, Daniel's praying and it's not to you. And so the king just goes completely white, just broken guy, because he knows he doesn't have a choice. He needs to uphold the law. But he loves Daniel. So what does he have to do? He has to throw him into the lion's den. That's where we pick up. At the beginning of my message where I jumped in, where he says, the God who you serve continually may he rest in heals the lion's den. You guys ready to finish the story, ready to finish the series? 
I'm ready. So we're going to go. Daniel chapter 6, verse 19. At the first light of dawn, the king got up and hurried to the lion's den. When he came near the den, he called to Daniel in an anguished voice, Daniel, servant of the living God, has your God, whom you serve, continually been able to rescue from the lions? Daniel answered, may the king live forever. My God sent his angel, and he shut the mouths of the lions. They have not hurt me, because I was found innocent in his sight. Nor have I ever done any wrong before you, your majesty. And the king was overjoyed and gave orders to lift Daniel out of the den. And when Daniel was lifted from the den, no wound was found on him, because he had trusted in his God. I love I love it because God came through and rescued Daniel in a really, really big way. But as, I, as you've seen throughout this entire thing, this entire, I feel like I've thrown like half the Bible at you this morning. There's been a lot of scripture, way more than I normally do, but there's a reason for that. It's because Daniel continually let his faith be the driving factor in and he continually said, you know what, I'm going to trust God, I'm going to serve God, even when it's not easy, even when it's not convenient, I'm going to do what God's called me to do. He was consistent. Was he perfect? No. Nobody is. But he continually did the right thing, even when it wasn't popular. Church, this morning I'm here to tell you, that saying yes to Jesus, having Jesus a part of your life, having God in your life doesn't take away all your problems. It doesn't say, you know what, all of a sudden now my life is fantastic and nothing's ever going to go wrong. And sometimes I think we get up on these stages and we, and we kind of present that without saying that. Like if you just trust in Jesus, everything's going to be okay, and it is. But it doesn't mean it gets easy. It doesn't mean that all of a sudden now everything else goes away. Daniel was in the lion's den. He was falsely accused. He was falsely blamed. He was falsely done that for doing the right thing. You will do the right thing in your life. You will trust God. You will worship God. You will pray to God. You will do all the right things and try to be a good person, and people are still going to come out to get you. We live in a fallen, broken world. But if we go back, do you know what the consistent theme throughout Daniel's life is? People notice that he loved God. People noticed that his heart for the Lord was something that was significant. Fifty years later, the queen is going, hey, don't fret because the God that Daniel serves is a real powerful God. These were not even people that loved and worshipped the same God, but they knew David did, or Daniel did. They took notice of it. And they made difference. People will notice your every move when you give your life to the Lord. When you are living your life for Jesus, you will do things differently and people will notice. You will approach things differently. You will live differently. Will you live perfect? I haven't figured that part out yet. No. You won't. But when you do the right thing continually, people take notice of it. And sometimes they will they will mock you, they will persecute you, they will say, ha, like sure, like 
Yeah, he's a hypocrite. But when you do the right thing over and over and over again, people will notice. And they will start to ask the question, why? They didn't look at Daniel because he was so awesome, because he was so great. They looked at Daniel because the God in whom he served did some really, really powerful things all of the time. If you have been to this church in the last couple of months, you've heard me say this over and over again. If this is your first time, you'll hear me say this over and over again. You'll see it on every piece of signage we have. You'll see it everywhere we are. But we are a church who desires to see people come alive in Christ. To come alive. To realize you have what you need through him. You have time and you have him. When you come alive, it's not a matter of like, okay, cool, now I can breathe. Now I'm physically alive. No, it's understanding when you come alive in Christ, you're now different. You have God inside of you, and it changes the way you think. It changes the way you move. It changes the way you live. And everybody will take notice of it over time. When you come alive in Christ, it not just changes your life, but it changes the world in which you live. Because people will take notice. And they might doubt it, they might question it, they might ridicule it, they might hate you for it. But when you do the right thing over time, when you continually serve and worship God, you will be given an opportunity to share your faith and show how God is real in your life. In the most uncrazy, unfamiliar circumstances, when you trust God with your life and when you give everything for him, you will be given that opportunity to share your faith in a unique way. Did you notice the similarities and the unison that the king Cyrus said to Daniel before the lions and after? May the God who you serve continually rescue you when he's in the den. You notice what he said when he came back the next day? Did the God whom you serve continually rescue you? Yes, he did. When you serve God continually... You're not immune from tough circumstances. But what you do have is God fighting behind you and before you, with you every step of the way. And guess what? Even if you fail, even if you do the wrong thing, God is still faithful. God is still there to give you a second start. He's still there to pick you up, dust you off, and say, hey, keep going. Keep serving me continually. Serving him continually does not mean running the same line and never faltering, never making a mistake. Serving God continually means that even when you fall, even when you stumble, even when you make mistakes, you get up, you brush yourself off, you ask for forgiveness, and you keep going and living the life that God's called you to live. Because that's what we're called to do. That's what we're called to live. When we come alive in Christ, it's not a matter of saying, hey, we got it all figured out. Hey, we're good. It just means we know and we trust that whatever life throws our way, whatever comes our way, we can trust that God's got us. And when we come alive in Him, He's going to come alive in our world. The reason I want us to come alive is because that's what God called us to do for us. But when you are a light in a dark world, people take notice. Not looking at us and going, I want them. They go, I want what they have. 
And what we have is the Holy Spirit living inside of us. What we have is God with us, God in us, God in our business, and they will want the same thing. And guess what? We don't own the market on it. He is going to move in their life as well. So my motivation, the reason I want to live my life alive in him, the reason I want God to shine through is because I want to be a really good husband. I want to be a really good father. I want to be a really good coach. I want to be a really good teacher. I want to be a really good pastor. Why? So that I can draw the attention to myself? No, no. I want to be the best at what I can because people will take notice and they will see God in me and not me. And when you come alive... Same thing happens. So today, I want us to serve God continually. Because if you serve God continually, you'll be protected. You'll be loved. You will still walk through some really tough stuff. Some really scary stuff. Some really, really intimidating stuff. But the difference is you're no longer walking through it alone. You have him. You have time, you have what you need through him. So this morning, I want us to walk out different than when we walked in. Sometimes we walk through life with our head down, just kind of hoping, kind of just waiting. I hope God comes through instead of saying, I believe God's going to come through. Instead of saying, I believe God's got this. I believe we're going to be good. I'm done kind of just walking down with my head. I want to be confident in who I am. I want you to be confident in who you are. Why? Because you have pride? No, but because you have confidence that God's created you the way you're supposed to be created. I want you to live a life because you will grow stronger, you will grow closer to God, but guess what? You will start to make a difference in your world. How do we do that? I'm a practical guy. I like practice, right? It's one thing to hear. You go, oh, cool, yeah, that sounds great, but how do we do that? I want us to come alive in Christ. And there's a few ways you can do that. Coming to church is a great one. You guys got that down. But there's so much that happens outside of church on Sunday morning. There's so much value to being inundated and, and, and with people of like-minded going after the same goal. There's a reason that I'm intentionally doing a kickoff next week because I want us to rally us together and get our church together as we launch off together next week. For our kickoff. But we're also doing these two new things at the bridge that we haven't done a ton before, and the first one is growth track. You'll hear about that in the next month or so, but we're building something to where you can come alive in Christ very practically through a growth track. There's also small groups. There are some really cool groups. Ladies, there's a thing called Teamless. That's a ladies' Bible study that's going to be phenomenal. Where every week you come together and be with people and go after God together. Men, the reason we go get beat every last Sunday of every month is because there's value in being together. Because as you are coming alive and you surround yourself by someone else coming alive, just chase after the same goal together. So if I could challenge you with something really practical, come alive in Him means going after God individually whether it's reading the Bible, whether it's praying, whether it's doing worship on your own, whether it's coming to church every single week, whether it's getting involved in a small group or growth track, whatever it is, doing something practically to grow your faith will make a difference in your life and those around you. 
So I'm challenging you with that this week. What's that one practical thing you can do to make your faith your own? Maybe it's signing up for the Bible study over there. Maybe it's grabbing the little sheets of paper on that desk out there and inviting your neighbor, inviting your coworker, and getting here and bringing them with you this next coming Sunday. I have a dream and a prayer that we have to pull out every chair we got next Sunday. Because as we come alive, we get excited about what God's doing, people are going to follow. And we're going to see God moving in our community and in our lives. And I can't wait. This morning, I want to pray and get you out of here. So you close your eyes, bow your heads, whatever you're comfortable with. I want to pray for you this morning that you feel the same God that was with Abraham and Isaac, the same God that healed the paralytic, the same God who helped David defeat the Goliath giant, the same God who helped Isaiah and commissioned him into going out, and the same God who delivered Daniel from the lion's den, the same God who delivered his three friends from the furnace, the same God who's worked miracles all throughout the Bible is the same God that we serve today. And I know for a fact there are people in this room that are in need of a miracle. They're in need of a situation in which it feels impossible, it feels scary, it feels intimidating. I just want to pray for those in this room that need a miracle. That God's got you, he sees you. But I also want to pray for the person in the room who doesn't feel good enough. Who you maybe, you've known you've made some mistakes, you know that maybe there's been some things that have been messed up in our life. But I want to pray for you to understand that Jesus loves you and knows you. And he sees you. So with all eyes closed, all, all, all heads bowed, I first want to give an opportunity to someone who just wants to make it right with Jesus. Maybe you've been, been far away, but as we've been talking, you just want that closeness and that presence that Jesus has. So just between you and the Lord, if that's you, would you just slip your hand up? I want to pray for you specifically. If you want to just make life right with God, if you just want to go, you know what, I want a fresh start, I want him. Would you just, just slip up your hand right back down really quick? I see it. I see it. God, I just pray. For the people, Lord, in the room who want to make it right with you, may they know that you forgive them and you love them. And all it is is a matter of saying, God, would you forgive me? God, forgive me for how I've messed up. Would you make it right? Give me a fresh start. Jesus, you. The Lord, for everyone else in this room, for those with that have a need, they need a miracle, God, would they walk out of this place feeling different? situation might not change but internally we do because we know we have you fighting for us behind us and with us picking us up and carrying us through the valley would you just be so near and dear to everyone in this place god we love you in jesus name we pray amen this has been a podcast of the bridge church have a great week Stop in Sunday sometime and visit. If you would like to give, you can do so online at sfbridge.org. Have a great week.